Rod Simba and the Regulators. Are we cool with this being the new official song? Sure. I'm you, definitely cool with this. It's jamming right here. And it's chill. It is. I'm all for it. I like our other beat too, though. And I like the one Rod made with our other beat. I think we should mix it Can we it up. rotate? Right, yeah, that's we'll what rotate. I mean. Right. But this, uh, he actually just DM'd me, and he's like, yeah, Sims called me C-I-M-B-I-B-I. He's like, it's Simba. And I was like, you got it. Sorry so there, Simba. Rod. Epis- uh, episode 127, uh, Fendrick is in a meeting. Oh. There's a chance he can come back, but I think you and I are going to have a talk with him later. I'm sick Enough of Fendrick. Of this shit. I'm sick of it. You yeah. want to be a part of the podcast? Yes or no? Um, podcast, too. I want to film it on Wednesday. Okay. I'm one more week of Tuesdays. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the last episode with Gronk. Uh, coming at the end of this episode will be Jadevian Clowney. Bam! And there is a really funny moment. If you know Sims, what, what we always talk about, you know, oh, man, you're so great. Like, what, what is the phrase you always say? What, just say it. Well, about Jadevian Clowney? Yeah. I just, with Jadevian Clowney, I mean, usually when there's players that I've hyped up a lot. A lot. I usually go, man, do you know how much I blow you? He I, says I mean, that. And we kept recording with the interview, <laughs> and it got him talking to the PR person. Right. And the reaction's awesome. So that's at the end of the podcast. Yep. Hope you guys enjoy it. Jadevian, good. I thought it was a pretty good interview. I, he I talked really a did. lot about his teammates. Better than Gronk. Yes. Gronk is just, he didn't give me shit. He's Gronk. And it's funny because you could tell he definitely didn't know who you were. I'm sure he didn't. I think Gronk, I've seen Gronk meet my father for the 50th time and the lights not go on for a few minutes and then go, oh, oh yeah, Phil, Phil, what's up, man? Yeah, like he, get, didn't, he doesn't get us. So he's hilarious that way. But I tried to get him to talk about Odell and just say, should the media ease up on him? And he he was he refused to talk about anybody else. He's scared, too. Team. Bill's got them all scared. And and I, I, he, but he's also such a good soldier. He is. No doubt about it. he's not doing that. I was always amazed by Gronk just being in the, the tight end meeting rooms, though. Man, when it came to football stuff, he got that. I mean, he could answer a question in a heartbeat. He really was phenomenal that way. Uh, I was having a debate with my grandma this week, and I want to chime in before we get to the player numbers. Grandma Ma? Grandma Barbara. We both have grandma's name, Barbara. We do. Mine. Yours she's is the alive. coolest person Mine's ever. Mine's a dead. She's unbelievable. Uh, they were both awesome. <laughs> we were having a debate that she, she called somebody a creep. Right. And I said, I would rather be called a curse word than a creep. I think it's more offensive to be called a creep. Like, I, if you called me an asshole, right. I'd be like, whatever. Right. But if you were like, yo, Lefko, you're a creep, I'd be like, that really... Or if you called me a loser, right. a creep or a loser, I think, is more offensive than a curse word. I think cre- I agree with you. I mean, I'd rather you call me anything. I mean, fuck face, idiot, asshole, whatever it Those is. Those are good ones. You're right. But no, creep means that you are truly like a slimy bastard. You make me feel I can't a trust way. you around my kids, my mm-hmm. wife, like any of that stuff. That's creep is like yeah. it was like uh you know OJ Simpson walking down a dark alley I was gonna, with a cane. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that's that's, that's creepy. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean and you know what, in terms of like making people uncomfortable, you and your flirty self. My flirty self. They don't even know. These people don't even know about you if and flirty. If you're truly in the weeds, you'll know what flirty is. That's back in the day when I met Sims's wife and I told him that he was I told her that he was flirty. You know, in the office. Chris, your husband, he's kind of flirty. And it, it took about a year and a half for you to bat that one down. Holy crap. Uh, all right, so we have Klein coming up. 27s. Let me do the other sports, and then I'll get to NFL. I kind of I was bored last night at 1.30 in the morning. That's okay. NBA. Yeah. Currently, Rudy Gobert, Jamal Murray, and Zaza Pachulia, your favorite guy. Good old Zaza, yep. The cheapest player in the NBA. MLB, Carlton Fisk was a 27. Oh, that's a good one. Vlad Guerrero, Matt Kemp, Scott mm. Rowland, uh, 
old Placido Polanco, Juan Marichal, and then Giancarlo Stanton. Oh. And Mike Trout is 27. Damn, I forgot both of them. I don't even know. I don't know what Bryce Harper's number is, do you? 34. Is it? Yes. He's the old Charles Barkley. Yeah, he's definitely 34. I forgot about Trout totally. I don't totally. know. Yeah, Trout's Giancarlo 27. is on fire right now. I don't know how much you've been What's watching. What's crazy is there were rumors that the Phillies were going to trade for him, and I was like, I don't know. He's getting paid too much money. <laughs> Holy was, crap. He's like hitting a home run every night. He, he is one of those physical specimen guys. Uh, NHL, Ron Hextall and Scott Niedermeyer. I love those Niedermeyer. guys. Good old devil. Uh, who, who in the NFL comes to mind? Oh. All time and then currently. This is pressure here. 27 uh, is good because now we're into safety world. Yep. And we're still in running back world right. and the occasional corner. But it's Like Jay, uh, uh, Ray Rice was a 27. Yep, Ray Rice right? was a 27. Okay. Uh, I know the old cowboy safety J.J. Wilcox was 27 yes, he there. Is. He is still. Is he still 27? Yep. He is or was. Okay. But hold on. I need to a few other 20 i'm really 27 is not a strong suit all right let me give you some hints yeah we'll start off with running backs right uh he was the fourth pick in the draft oh he's 27 leonard, leonard fournette. fournette yes uh he could be the guy that that becomes the future of the houston texans backfield um the deontay foreman dante foreman yes uh fat boy in seattle Eddie Lacy. <laughs> this is great. So me and my friends in California played this game. He reminds me of a guy, right. but I'm just going to give you random descriptions. Uh, powerhouse running back in the 90s. Oh, damn it. Eddie George. Bang. Yes. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt was 27. He's no longer... He's 35 with your one of the One of the most effective um, holdouts uh, in football. One of the most effective... Got him a contract. Gosh, man. Penn State. Gosh. Larry Johnson. Oh, LJ. He got himself yeah. a fat contract he by did. holding out. Yeah. And then three Giants running backs. Okay, so Brandon Jakes yep. Jacobs is 27. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Um, my dad's... Uh, no. Oh, no, he wasn't. I was going to say Rodney Hampton for a second. Rodney Hampton oh, thank was. You. Yeah, he was. And then, the, and then the other one was... I don't know. Ron Dane. Oh, shit. Come on. Damn. All right, defensive backs. Uh, the reason that... Uh, the Bills were comfortable trading Ronald Darby. Oh, Tredavious White is 27 yep. now. Uh, the guy you're really excited about on the Packers. Um, Josh Jones. Yep. Who just uh, got hurt and carted off the field. Uh, I'm not going to be able to explain some of these guys. Tyvon Branch, Darian oh. Thompson, uh, Dre Kirkpatrick, Glover Quinn, uh, two Eagles, Quinton Michael back in the day, yep. Malcolm Jenkins now. Damn. Reggie Nelson, Fred Smoot, I think one of my favorite football players of all time because of the party boats. Smoot was the man. I had a lot of fun with Smoot. What does that off mean? The field. I mean, Smoot was, he was boys with my man, Dwight Smith, right? Yeah. Uh, and they had a little relationship together. But When then, you went out with Smoot, what was his role in the, in the group? Well, Smoot is just, Smoot is actually like off the charts football smart. Okay, like he's the kind of guy that's like literally nerdy enough that he's probably like sitting at home right now reading through like draft books and like really? yeah, he really gets into it. Loves the sport. Um, no, Smoot's just the cool dude, ready to do whatever. Yeah, kind of plays it low key. But if something that he doesn't agree with or anything like that, he ain't gonna be afraid to show his show his opinion. Stories about that? I can't really say that I do, but I, right. I love being around Smoot. Uh, Darren Williams, Steve Atwater, oh, Ken Houston. Damn, I missed a lot of good ones. It's tough. I I, I look. Walt Harris, Rashane Mathis, Terrell Buckley. Uh, random one, Mario Edwards Sr. Yeah, sure. Mario Edwards Jr.'s dad. Yeah. Uh, and then two random ones. Tom Pridemore was a DB for Atlanta. He is the only NFL player to serve as state legislator during his playing career. Mm. And 
get a DUI. Wow, impressive That's resume. That's freaking incredible, dude. <laughs> the other one is Dwayne Gratz, who's most famous for getting arrested for trying to pay for something with bubble gum. And those are your 27s. More quick, than I thought. Quick question. The current state of these holdouts, Donald Penn... Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell. Right. Do you think any of them go f- like far? I do think that they're going to find a way to sweeten the pot for Donald Penn, whether that's just like a little more guaranteed money, somewhere along that line. Do you I, think he deserves it? Uh, if he wants a little sweetener, sure. Uh, yes, I do think he deserves it because I think there was a, you know, listen, is he a top tier left tackle at this point in his age, at, at this point of his career? No, he's not. Yeah. But he's still very good. He's in the top half of football. And they need him. They do need him. What about Aaron Donald, Le'Veon Bell? Because these are young studs. Le'Veon Bell has no. I, there's nothing think, he can do. What is he trying to do? All right. So my thing, my thing with Le'Veon Bell, and, and we're the players' podcast, right? We, we always are. talk about that. And and if I'm advising Le'Veon Bell, I am literally telling Le'Veon Bell that. Whatever amount of money you want to make this year, right? The franchise tag is twelve and 12. change, right? So he needs to figure out what that number is, and then just go report whatever that number is. So if, say it out in the public. So that's what I mean. If he has to go, if he goes, I want to make like 15. eight. If he wants to make eight million this year, then show up week six or seven. He's got to show up by week ten to have it to be a credited year. Here is the divide. You are going to hurt your team in a in a team that if Martavis Bryant's back, they could make a deep run. Yeah, I don't care. Wow. Le'Veon Bell's learned his he's learned his lesson to know he's very valuable. He almost lost his career two years ago. You're right. It's a brutal position. He plays in the AFC North, which is also extremely physical with a lot of good middle linebackers. It's officially his team. It's his team. And um I'm not sacrificing any part of my body if I'm Le'Veon Bell for the Pittsburgh Steelers who don't want to show me any commitment either. Is it he can come back in week 10 and still be a free agent? He can. If, as long as he gets those six, he has to get six games under his belt. Six games. And you would tell him to do that? It, I think if you I, were yes. his, If you were his friend and he said, Sims, I don't know what to do, you'd say, I wouldn't play until week 10. Or show up week 8, whatever you want, but I would, and I would advise him, I'd be like Le'Veon. If, what if you they don't, don't even him? feel 100%, fine. They don't have to play him, but he's oh, he there. Just has to he gets paid. Man, I would put in minimal effort if I'm Levy about. I'm not, I'm not even joking you. Like CJ Mosley, it's third and twelve. I'd be like, you know, get Fitzgerald to or get somebody else in there. You I'm can't not going to do that. that. I, I, listen, they don't want to show commitment to him. Why should he show commitment to them? I know it's a messed up thing. He won't do this probably. But again, I think these are the things that need to be done if we want to change the culture of the NFL right now. Aaron Donald, they're going to get a deal done, I believe. Okay, He's different because he's a fifth-year option, right? He can negotiate. Le'Veon has nothing to negotiate. Mm. He just hasn't signed the franchise tag yet. So he just needs to wait it out. I, think, I don't know if I've said this already, yeah. but... The Devontae Freeman just got a new contract. Yes. And he's the highest paid running back in the NFL right now, yes. making around $8 million a year. Right. The same amount of money that LaDamian Tomlinson got in 2004. Wow. That is 13 years ago. So that shows you. It's the only position where we're not seeing any inflation. Right. I, it's it's amazing, and that's why I I will continue with my theory of the NFL has to figure out ways to pay top tier running yeah. backs because they don't get to see second and third contracts a lot, and they need to make it somewhere performance. Like Jordan Howard, second leading rusher in football last year, he made three hundred ninety five thousand dollars, and he got into fifty five thousand car wrecks 
and he made $395,000, and it's going to definitely take a year off of his career. The NFL should pay him like $5 million or whatever the average is for the top five. That's what they should do. It's not even fair to these guys. There is a free agent right now that's on the market that I know you think is special. Yeah. Tremaine Brock. I he do. was recently cleared on domestic violence charges. He apologized Friday for verbally yelling at his wife, says he never put his hands on her. He is currently visiting the Seahawks. Yeah. Is it, why? I, like, I don't think a lot of people know about Tremaine Brock. Why, what, what is he like, Tremaine Brock? He's a really talented player. I mean, he's one of those guys that's been one of the better players on the San Francisco roster last few years, but they just haven't been good, so nobody knows about it. Certainly one of their better cover corners. Uh, he's got a real good build. He's not your necessarily your typical Seattle long guy. Mm-hmm. He's got a little size. I, I want to look up his uh, true size. I think he's like six foot, but he's a little more... Stocky. He's stocky. He's got some thickness to him, but they've he's a guy look- that can play nickel or outside. They've been looking for a second cornerback outside Richard Sherman for, yes. what, three years now? Pretty much. I mean, you know, they got their Jeremy Lane, they got Sheed. And you think he's an impact player. I do. I think he would be phenomenal addition to that football team. I really right. would. Yes. So keep your eye out. See where he goes. Yep. He'll be impactful wherever it is, but he's been cleared and according to the NFL, the NFL is not, look, they take domestic violence. They're, they've shown with Zeke six games. They're not going to mess around. Yeah, but they it, must. It, he must be squeaky clean. Whoa! Look who just walked in the Big studio. Big off season. We literally got rid of the extra microphone Josh, you're gonna have to come over here and talk to mine because we We've were given up on you. Yeah, we're you're done. What you're, happened to my microphone? I you, said I couldn't take it. You couldn't take no. it. No, I mean me and Lefko were right here, and yeah, I, was I was like, like who like knows if he's really lap. gonna come? So you guys want me to sit in the middle? I don't know, dude. I did. I don't know. We don't even know what you are anymore. Right. We, we're I'll pull up a chair and just hang out. Uh, yeah. Okay. Damn. Uh, let's let's lighten it up. Now it, I feel it, bad. Yeah, but you, you know what? Know. That's what jokes are for. Right. And there's no better Twitter account to align with our podcast than the new Twitter account Bortles Facts, which gives only Blake Bortles facts. <laughs> are you kidding you me? You did send this to me, Josh. I sent it to him. Yeah, okay. Josh needs credit now all of a sudden. <laughs> Fuck. He's producing the show. Shit. <laughs> All right, first one, and I'm going to mix these. I'm going to intersperse these throughout the show. First Bortles fact. Right. Blake Bortles is undefeated on both Sunday and Monday Night Football. <laughs> For the year, you're talking about this No, year. no, for all time. For all time? I don't think he's played on either Sunday night or Monday Night Football. <laughs> I didn't hear Sunday night. Bortles facts. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty fucking awesome. There's an Instagram that came out. We were watching it today of Blake Bortles threw the ball out of bounds over Allen Robinson's head, and you can hear him go, "Just can you throw it in bound? Damn, yes, keep it in bounds. Damn." Damn. Um, Bortles goes. I know I've I've said this to you. Like like he goes into my theory, like my new little theory that I've had this conversation. This is something that comes up with like my dad sometimes. We call, I, we call fake quarterbacks, right? He's he's a fake quarterback, Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles, what really started the conversation between me and my father this weekend was actually watching the Giants-Steelers game, and we were watching Josh Dobbs. And we got on the phone together, and he's like, you watching Josh Dobbs? I'm like, yeah, man, he can't throw it. He can't throw it all. It. Yeah. He can't throw it all. And um, we got on the conversation with like, yes, he's a fake quarterback. And and we started going through it, and he's like, yeah, there's there's probably, we thought about it. He's like, this would be a good topic for your podcast. What do you mean by fake quarterbacks? Fake quarterbacks, when I say like Tim Tebow, Blake Bortles, Dobbs, uh, there's a number, there's other guys I can go down the list with where I mean they're basically not natural throwers of any ball. Joe Webb. Right, Joe Webb would be that. And he's even probably more naturally gifted than them. But guys that were big and great athletes growing up, and they just said, let's put him at quarterback. He's big mm. and he's kind of smart. Jeff he can Driscoll. Run around. So, right. Those kind of guys, exactly right. I know. I, got, I need to go through the roster to see how many guys there actually is, but that is what I call a fake quarterback—a guy that really has no business 
being making a living throwing a ball. But um, because they were bigger than everyone, and in younger football, the guy that has the quarterback, he runs, he right. throws. Like, I'll never forget when I worked in Louisville, the game of the century was Trinity versus Mail. In this one year, it was it was um, Michael Bush and Mail versus, what's his name? The quarterback. Brian Brom. Brom, right. Michael Bush, the running back that weighed like 260 pounds, Michael Bush was quarterback for male. Yeah. Because he ran for like like 2,000 yards. Exactly right. But you get put at quarterback, and then some of these guys, I guess, they just keep going down They keep going, and then they have the measurables, so people justify it, right? They're like, oh, look at Blake Bortles. He's handsome, 6'5", and he's 235. Looks just like a franchise quarterback. Everything checks the box except the ability to throw the football, which is the most important thing. But then guys like Cardell. Cardell can throw it. Cardell can definitely throw it. He's not a a makeup quarterback. Not at all. Hmm. Uh, I know. I'm quickly looking through rosters right now. Hit us up on... On Twitter, when you guys are listening to this, use the hashtag FakeQB and send us who you're thinking it's going to be. Josh is laughing. Why are you laughing? Well, ACL epidemic has taken off. Oh, dude. <laughs> I love when whenever someone gets ACL injury, they're like, hashtag ACL. Yeah. Josh just texts me. He goes, this ACL epidemic shit is hilarious. It is funny. Uh, let's go to two great quotes of the week. I am so excited for this one. There was a headline. Again, it's unbelievable how many of these stories pick a headline, and I think they go with the wrong quote. Yes. The Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers can play until he's 40, and people ran with that. If you read the article, he had some other quotes that I want your comments on. Please. Quote, obviously Aaron has carried the team for a long time. That's not going to change, he continues. As good as he is, I would have thought they won more than one by now. But I don't know if he can do anything else than what he's done up to this point. And here comes the baller part. You don't know what that is until you get it. Like Reggie White, you go, oh, that's what we needed. It remains to be seen what that is, whether it's a draft pick, a free agent, letting someone go, or a coaching change. There you go. I don't know. Why was that not... why Brett? far saying maybe a coaching change is needed, but instead we went with Aaron Rodgers can play past 40. You're exactly right. That's, That's fucking crazy that great. he pretty much said maybe they need to get rid of McCarthy. He, I mean, he basically said, he said everything we've ever complained about in like cryptic form there, right? And, like and Aaron no Rodgers is doing about. everything. And they need to help him, and I don't know who that player but instead, is. But instead, it got taken that Brett Favre was saying that Aaron Rodgers, oh, you got to keep playing past your 40. No, he was saying he's doing it all himself. Yes. Brett Favre is on Aaron Rodgers' side. That was great to hear him say that because I I, I, I was always interested. You know, Brett's an ultimate competitor, and you always wonder how he feels about the heir apparent who's, yeah. who is, you know, stepping on the toes of his greatness, right? Because Aaron Rodgers is so great, it's almost you you almost forget about Favre to a degree. Yeah. So it is interesting. I would love, I'd like to hear that. I would love to watch an Aaron Rodgers game with Brett Favre. Oh, God. Because I'd love Brett to go, man, that's some sweet shit right Well, now. and I would think Brett would not not be too scared to take a shot at Mike McCarthy because Mike kind of ended his time in Green Bay with the whole I might retire. He hadn't had enough of it, and he pushed him out the door. I just can't believe that part didn't get picked Yeah, that's up. stupid. That really is. But how many times do I go through these articles and I'm like, what is this? Yes. Like, no one reports this. All right, another one. Uh, Patriots fan Josh, not Josh Vendrick. Uh, 
the Goodell came to the Patriots preseason game, right. and he took a picture with four Patriots fans at the behest of NFL media, and an NFL PR person put it out, and then there was a huge backlash to this from Patriots fans. I saw a little and of this. Josh was getting called and berated by his friends, and he said, quote, they wanted to use us as props. I felt like to say, hey, look at New England Patriots fans welcoming back Goodell. He continued, I feel like the whole winning of the Super Bowl, Goodell having to hand the Super Bowl trophy over to us and handing over the MVP to Brady, I feel like we got our revenge. But Patriots fans are still angry. This whole Patriots fans versus Goodell, that first game of the year when he's there against the Chiefs on Thursday night oh, football. If they put him on the TV screen. They put him in a glass case. But you, do you think Kraft is going to get, let him go up the back door? Yes, okay. I do. All right. I do. I thought you were going to say you had to make him walk through the front. No, like, no. There's an it would elevator be like Game that, of Thrones. Shame. There's shame, an elevator shame. that goes right to Mr. Kraft's suite, and he won't have to. He'll be able to avoid everybody as far as fans go. He could. It could be a really interesting atmosphere. It's part of the thing I'm most excited about for that Thursday night opener. Agreed. I, I just. I hope New England fans will maybe back off just a little bit. I mean, just in, in, in lieu of this Zeke Elliott thing, to realize like obviously he doesn't. He's not playing favorites. He's got. You got to remember, in a lot of these situations, when he makes these decisions, he has the backings usually of the other owners. Yeah, and it's interesting that it's he's taken down Kraft and Jerry Jones's best players the last two years. Let's lighten it up one more time with a beautiful little instance of Bortles facts. All right, next Bortles facts because we're talking about the Patriots. This is compliments of the Twitter account at Bortles facts. Blake Bortles and Tom Brady have combined for five Super Bowl titles, four Super Bowl MVPs, 12 Pro Bowls, and two NFL MVP awards. <laughs> You're such a jerk. What a do! It's not me. It's Bortles facts. Patriots and Jags practiced together, and I know you heard some rumblings about how it went. Yeah, I, well, uh, the, 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 practi- Tell the, truth. the practices went a lot different than the game did, first of all. That's the one thing uh, I was told. And I talked to New England people, but I, I also talked to somebody in Jacksonville, uh, and yeah, the thing I was told throughout the week that Bortles was borderline pitiful, um, and that yeah, New England pretty much whooped butt day day to day in practice. And then you know, again, New England lets them have the Thursday night preseason yes. showing. I mean, what did New England hold out forty of their starters basically? I think I'm gonna like get to that in something a about it, right? Yeah. That many guys. Um, yeah. So at the long story short, do you think Coughlin's talking to Belichick there? I do think so, yes. And do you think he's going to Belichick and going, I'm stuck with this quarterback? I, I mean, I, I would think anybody that Tom has any confidence, has confidence that he can keep a secret in general is probably complaining about that. It, it, it's, it's ridiculousness. I don't even know what else to say it's about sad. it anymore. It is. It truly is. Did you have something you wanted to say? I was just going to say that for, uh, for the day of the Patriots' first game, we should get Roger Goodell's head photoshopped onto Cersei. And have ah, that be a clip. It's not bad. See, Fendrick's still working. <laughs> He's still thinking of hot social media content. So speaking of the 40 players, right. uh, three things that I read this week that are proof that the Patriots are better and smarter than everyone else. Yes, they are. Uh, we'll start off with that one. Right. Sitting players during preseason games. Right. The Patriots are holding out nearly twice as many players out as the rest of the league. Uh, they held out 40 of their 90 guys in the first preseason game. The league average was 14. Right. The next high.
highest was the Steelers with 24. Right. They're not playing their starters in games that don't matter. And if anything, you're getting a better look at the bottom 50 of your roster. Exactly right, Adam. Why are they the only people that get it? And because of the scrimmages, their starters and second teamers have already got plenty of useful snaps for the week. So they don't need to go out there with some... They don't need to put their first team guard out there now with a third team defensive tackle who's out of control in Jacksonville who falls on his knee and ruins his year. So you're exactly right. The genius of Belichick, New England... They're on another level. What else is new? Hmm. I mean, that's what they're going to do this week. Yep. I mean, here we go. Is Houston they're Texans doing this four week? four joint practices. Yes. They're getting so much time. It's just smart. Second reason the Patriots are better and smarter than everybody else. Yep. The Patriots have just bought two 767s, two absolutely enormous planes, so that they can fly themselves everywhere. All of the seats are first class. They have rooms where the coaches can go over film and stuff. They have uh, play ways to uh, help all the players recover, that recover recovery, right. and all that stuff. Right. And do you know the reason Sims they bought a second plane? Why they bought two? No, just in case the first plane goes down. Uh, That's literally the only reason. Kraft said that he looked around at his organization and said, where are the places that we need to streamline? And he realized that he was allowing other people to control a huge aspect of the season, which is travel. And he said, I'm taking that away. I'm going to spend more like a few hundred million dollars, if not a billion or whatever, on two planes and we're we're making our team comfortable. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's again the brilliance of their team. It's f- looking in deeper into the next level. How can we be better? Analyzing themselves, which is so typical. Because you've England. talked about it. I can't imagine uh, a football player in a regular class seat. No. Can you can you picture Alan Branch or Cox sitting in row twenty seven, middle seat, like a normal human? Now he might not have anybody on either side of him. Great. But it doesn't matter. It's still uncomfortable. There's nowhere for him to sit. What do you think this does for free agency? So it's going to be... All right, so this is the first thing I want to say. I always thought, and I want to look this up, and I don't know if you can contribute to this podcast at some point, Fendrick, is is the Seattle Seahawks, do they not have... They have a special plane, the Seattle Seahawks. Mm. I know this. They have a plane at least with all first first class seats. Interesting. That's At least that's always the way I understood it. Now, obviously, I guess they don't own it. But the thing I like about it is, yes, they're not being held accountable. They're like, oh, we have to leave the team. We have to leave the stadium and get on the buses to go to the airport at this time because United like would right. like us to fly out now or whatever right. you it may be. Complete control. So now you leave whenever you want. You customize the plane. You can make it comfortable, like you said, for the coaches. I bet you they're going to have like recovery stations where you could sit in a chair, get an IV. They're probably going to have pre-made protein so shakes. They're going to have legitimate healthy meals and yeah. instead of like the rest of the NFL that's giving out hamburger food made. Made by usair.com. Really? Yeah, they give you the shit airplane food. You're like, oh, yum, great. I get to eat like half a hamburger and the scraps left off on the ground. You packed it all together. This is hilarious. It's great stuff. And you texted me the other thing that you liked is there's no fear of the team upsetting a flight attendant. Yeah, that can be an issue. You know, I, I've never thought of that. Well, it just first of all, you heard the complaints last year about a few teams who left the planes like damaged or left after, right? Ah. There was complaints about like you know I don't know who it was, but one of the airlines they were like, oh, we couldn't we couldn't put our plane back into the Giants did it. What? 
Yeah, I think it was the Giants. There was a few teams last year that they got in trouble, and they said that tr- planes were trashed, and then they couldn't put them back into relocation the next day because they had to do repairs. So New England's not going to deal with any of that. They're going to hire the staff they want, yeah. and they're going to do things everything the way they want and screw everybody else. Man. And the third reason the Patriots are smarter than better than everybody else and your team should aspire to be like them is Belichick was asked about teaching mechanics. Yeah. And he was talking, someone asked him about quarterback throwing and stuff like that. And when the best thing is when you ask Belichick the very simple question, mm-hmm. talk about how you teach mechanics. Yeah. He went on for a long story. Story was he brought up uh, a cornerback by the name of Everson Walls. Sure. Giants. The Giants, 28. He had a, in the, what Belichick said was Everson had a very unorthodox way of covering in man to man coverage. His footwork and eye control was very unorthodox, and Belichick did not agree with it, but he realized that Everson was just really freaking good at it. Right. And he told Everson, Listen, I'm not going to try and change your style, but you have to understand what your responsibilities are on defense, and you have to perform those responsibilities. Right. I will give you latitude in the technique and style as long as you get the job done. There you go. He adapted. To Everson, but then he said he still had to coach the other players. He said, so then I told them, look, this player is really good. He does it different. I'm going to let him do this, but I'm not letting you do this. Yeah. I'm not going to really allow you to do it. Right. And he said, those skills, there's a certain way that I think, this is Belichick, and I believe in that people should be coached, but if it screws up the player more than it helps them, that's not really good coaching. I think you're better off letting them do what's most comfortable to them. Gosh. Do you think a lot of coaches in the NFL would say stuff like that? No. No. Like, how rare is that? Extremely rare. He's just an extremely deep thinker, and he's thought about every angle about how to deal with people, how to deal with the techniques of the game, how those techniques will fit in with the rest of the defensive scheme and all those. And yes, he has a tremendous ability to... Semi-play favorites. I don't even know if that's the correct word, but show a little, you know, he'll loosen up the leash a little for guys that perform and go, listen, you're still doing the job that at the end of the day, I want you to do A, B, and C, and you're still getting it done even though you're not doing it exactly the way I would like you to do. He's not going to worry about it. He was very much like that with his coaches, too. That's where, where some of the older coaches would be like, Chris, you can leave the building. Like, you've gotten your work done. You're good. Like, he's not going to judge you if you're yeah. getting your work done. So he doesn't care if you walk out 30 minutes before maybe, like, you know, Johnny Tryhard who's just sitting up in his office with his his legs up but just waiting for Bill to leave and yeah. he's scared to leave. Um, so that, that, to me, again, is just a brilliance. And we've talked about this before with, like, the drops with the quarterback, right? Like, the West Coast offense is all about footwork. Yep. We have to tie the footwork with the pattern. And when the second hitch comes, you need to get to the second receiver. And he was the, he's, the, like, the opposite Bill Belichick of the West Coast offense. He's literally, we've talked about it, be six and a half yards behind where the ball snaps so the tackles know where you are so they can push people by if you want. And however you get there, you get there. I don't care if you karaoke, you do a spin on the floor, mm. but it, when the guy's open, you better throw it to him. It's just an example of a great leader is not always one that rules with an iron fist. No. It's the one that knows where to go. Yes. Uh, speaking of innovation, I found this interesting. I thought one of the saddest things that I watched the NFL last year was the Luke Keekley night. Yeah. When he got a concussion and he was hysterically crying on the field and we saw one of the faces of the game in hysterics thinking about life, his health and his future playing in the league. Yep. Luke Keekley is now wearing a thing called a Q-ring on his neck. Have you heard about this? I've heard about it but I really don't know what it is. It is a collar. It looks it just kind of goes around his neck. It's open in the front and it goes around the back of his neck. It uses light pressure on the jugular veins in the neck to lightly swell the brain. 
so that it fits more snugly against the skull, thus reduce, reducing movement. Hmm. It was invented by these two guys that were inspired by woodpeckers. Wood, I didn't know this. This is some deep they shit. They have like a natural shock absorber, right? Woodpeckers hammer away at trees 18 to 22 times per second during mating seasons and don't suffer concussions. Why? Because their long tongue, this is, I didn't know this, wraps around their head and pinches the jugular vein, swelling the brain slightly. Wow. So they've literally figured out how to replicate a woodpecker's anatomy so that Luke Keekley hopefully doesn't get concussions. Yeah. It's just a wild way to think about, let's not fix the helmet, let's make your brain bigger so that it can't move. Right. Well, but the you helmet, think about it, man, swell my brain, that's a crazy phrase. It, I mean, all of it's crazy. I mean, the helmet, I, I don't know, I think they're maxed out on the technology for right now. So they're he probably has one of more. the, yeah, he probably has, he definitely has one of the newer aged helmets. The thing, what did you think about whatever I just said? I mean, that's amazing. Uh, again, I think you're going to start to see middle linebackers and a lot of people do that because it's such, such a high-impact collision position. I do worry about Luke Keekley. I feel I'm really worried. I really do worry about him long-term. I mean, this is a guy that's 26 years old, and I'll just say this for my tidbits, and I might be wrong. He's only 26? I think he is, or he's 27. I think he's 27. Like that. Is he? Damn, it says 26 right here. I'm on his website. Yeah. I mean, I'm on... Uh, Wikipedia. But 6'3", 238, Okay. And he's probably got to work kind of hard to be 238. Oh, you think he's like a 220 guy. That's right. I always worry about that. It's like I've seen Luke Keekley in person. I don't know if he knew it was me or whatever, but he's not a real big guy. And those are the guys I always worry about. Sean Lee. Right, because they're playing a game that's that win. 245, 250 for yeah. collisions, and here you are. You're really. It's like it's asking like a light heavyweight to go up and play the heavyweight division in boxing. Yeah, if like, you you're not used ne- to that kind of punch. If you put him next to Dante Hightower. Oh, Dante, look, you would be like, are you, you would be, people you're would in the be same shocked. League. You play the same position. People would be shocked. Uh, speaking of player innovations, when big players have innovations in the offseason, what do we call them? Whoa! Big offseason. I only got one. And it's because it's the new theme. Players going vegan. Theo Riddick is now vegan. Adam to the list. Adrian Peterson, all the other guys we've talked about. Woo, woo, woo. Malik, Malik Jackson. Malik Jackson. His quote, quote, I turned vegan over the summer. I've noticed a difference just with my energy level. I'm not, yep. a, I'm not a junk food type of eater. I'm like a smoothie guy. I do a lot of fruit, throw my kale and all my protein in there, and that's how I get everything. And where did he get this advice from, Sims? No, not a dietitian. Was it a nutritionist? Fuck no, it wasn't. Where did he get it from? My lady, Theo Riddick. It was from reading documents and watching documentaries, such as Netflix, What the Health. Right. What the Health is good. Quote, no, it's not. What the Health? I feel, I feel like my wife yeah, told me about this. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. What is it? Quote, watching things like that is alarming. Okay, tell me if you agree with this. Right. It's crazy because you don't realize that things you eat on a daily basis, such as chicken and drinking milk, has no, tr- no nutritional value. Right. Chicken has value. Well, it has value. It's got protein. I don't know. How, no, your your average chicken, I've told you this, is 35 days old. It's all it is pumped with steroids I and know, other things that make I it know. grow. What the Health is a documentary on Netflix, right. which a lot of doctors are proving to be fucking crazy right. because they compare eating chicken to smoking cigarettes and milk to oh, smoking okay, cigarettes. Gotcha. And they're saying that they called the Cancer Society and they got the secretary and they said, why does it say that eating meat is bad? And the secretary's like, uh, can I connect you? And the guy's like, they refuse to answer my questions. 
we know. Okay. Meat is not great for you. Milk is not great for you. But it took it so far in that documentary. And a lot of doctors have come out and are like, this is nuts. Meat is causing cancer. I mean, we know that. Yes. I mean. But for me, what I thought was funny about reading this. Right. We do assume that NFL athletes that get paid a lot of money have nutritionists and dietitians and team-regulated doctors. No. But it's really just them at home with their girlfriend going, man, I think I might give up meat this because season. Because we only hear about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. People don't realize the rest of the NFL is like your normal Joes. They're just, you know, I know $395,000 is a good amount of money, but most of the league is making somewhere between three ninety-five dollars and $900,000, and that's good money. I'm not trying to sound like a spoiled brat, but it's also not like rich enough to have your own cook and nutritionist and, yeah. you know, your own trainer and all that. Like, no, that's not enough for that at the end of the day. This is not NBA money. This is not quarterback money. This is not big-time receiver money, those guys can afford yeah. it. It's just so funny to me, the amount of people that are going vegan right now. Yeah, it's, it's really the smart way to go in all phases, all right, always. We, we got a little heated at each other, so I want to loosen it up with another Good. Bortles Facts. Compliments okay. of Twitter account, at Bortles Facts. Fendrick was right. It's my new favorite Twitter account. Blake Bortles has thrown 80 touchdown passes to a combined nine NFL teams. Woo. <laughs> Pick sixes. Let's bring back an oldie but a goodie. It's Sims's raw reaction. And what are we showing Sims today? It's pictures of Texas's new Ooh. locker room. I feel bad that Josh is over in the corner right now. It right. is my fault. I want totally. you to I want you to take a look at these pictures, Sims. Ooh, baby. It's Texas's new locker room. Do you see that locker? Let me see. That it costs over $10,000 each, and there is a 43-inch monitor above each locker that shows the picture of the player and shows highlight reels of them. Damn. Yes. We have stepped it up. Holy crap. Yeah. That's amazing. I did not see all this. Do you what? What does that? What does that make you feel? That Tom, and I also went. Oh, so Tom Herman comes in and he gets the new locker room. Of course, Charlie yes. Strong got fucked. He did, no doubt about it. I think. Uh, so when I was going there in 1999, right? I was going on my visits. Their facility was top notch. It was considered like the best in college football. Yeah. And then, of course, in the mid 2000s. Everybody started to up their game up. And Texas really was the trendsetter. I mean, they really were. I mean, our facility was phenomenal, even yeah. for NFL standards. But then you saw, I mean, you saw the things like Texas A&M and Oregon and what mm. all they did. I mean, they made it into like spas, like at the Four Seasons Hotel. Exactly. And With like running water. And- so this is the richest school in the country. People, I don't think, realize that. And it's by far the richest football program in the country. Makes a lot more money than Alabama every year. Uh, I don't know what it was the difference this year, but I know last year it was like 33-something million dollars. So good. That's cool. We need all the advantages we can get. Do you feel jealous, though? No, I don't feel jealous. Good for you. I don't. No, I'm like totally want Texas... Tom Herman and company to turn this around. I mean, just like I was rooting for Charlie, it's no different. It's a shame right now that the University of Texas is not even in a discussion for like best football team. I mean, they're not even close in the discussion. And also, I like the Big 12, and the Big 12 sucks right now. I mean, it sucks. So I know that most Saturdays for you, you're spent watching Texas. Right. But this season, Chris Sims will be on your NBC dial as he is going to be doing pre, post, and halftime for Notre Dame football. Yes, I am. Get fucking ready, Irish fans. You're going to have a young (laughs) Sims looking you right in the face. And we have some Twitter questions from our own Steven Nelson for you. I'd like to integrate Josh Fentrick back into the show, and he's going to read them for Steven Nelson. Thanks, Adam. It's nice that someone appreciates my presence on this podcast. I mean, Lefko made the final call. 
call and was like, yeah, finally, get it yeah, out of here. The, so it was your fault. Yeah, yeah. fuck you. All right, question from, <laughs> question from Steven Nelson at Steven double underscore Nelson. Don't screw that up. For Sims, who is the greatest football player in Notre Dame history? Leave start there. Greatest football player in Notre Dame history. We, we, <sighs> we need the people to know that you know your shit. Gosh. Um, I'm going to say the greatest of all, probably Paul Horning. Mm. Is that a good one for you? Can't, no? can't be wrong with the Galloping Ghost. Uh, I mean, and then who else am I missing? That's He was the golden boy, excuse me. Rocky Bismail, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Rocket Ishmael Joe certainly Montana. in the car. Joe was not, didn't have a great career there. Uh, I'm just trying to think of a few other guys. I think Paul Horning is the one. I think I'm right. I think you're up there. And then what's the other part of the question? Is Rudy overrated in a pantheon of best sports movies? Not in my opinion. You're, you're a big Rudy fan. <laughs> I do like Rudy. I think it's a good movie. It's one of the better football movies altogether. I cry every time the jerseys go down, and it's not because of the scene. Right. That fucking music makes me cry. I like, hear you. Like, music gets me emotional, yeah. and that song really gets me emotional. Yes. I. Uh, so, you know, the the original Rudy, the real Rudy yeah. Rudiger, I had to... Uh, I had to he had a speaking engagement in Tampa, Florida at one point where I ended up having to MC the event and like <laughs> introduce him to everybody because he was writing a book. You had to introduce Rudy. Rudy, yep, I did. You know I, he's in jail now or he, well, he did jail time? Is that right? Uh, Wait, so well, I want to hear what he, how he introduced yeah, him. Yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, I just went on about a guy, you know, that was <laughs> driven and, you know, all that kind of stuff, all that cheesy crap. You definitely started a Rudy chant. I don't think I did. What? I don't know if I Couldn't did, you see actually. Sims be like, I just want everyone to get... You know what's Rudy. funny about that game, oh, though? When you ever see that game at the end of the movie, look closely into the stands. Because they filmed it during a real game. And they were playing Boston College. And if you look into the stands, you'll see people trying to ruin the movie and holding up Boston College signs. And they're supposed really? to be playing Georgia Tech. I always think that's funny. Vince Vaughn, phenomenal wide receiver. <laughs> White boy supreme! I have uh, I have this article from 2011. Football underdog Rudy sacked for stock fraud. Uh, Why are you bringing up old shit? (laughs) So he got what fraud? Uh, Stock fraud. He couldn't do an end run around the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. That's good writing. Really good writing. All right, I'm out. Left go. You're done. Are you serious? We have another. See, I'm so glad we didn't give you you a mic. I do. Fuck yourself. Get out of here. Can you just put the podcast on your schedule? Well, when Mr. Haircut over here, I mean, it was scheduled to start at 3 o'clock, and then... he Yeah, but he was only going to do 15 minutes and then leave. Don't anyway. even get me started while I was late. I was going to do a half hour. Don't get me started. Uh, I kind of want to. Gosh. Well, Donald Trump's in town, <laughs> so I couldn't get over here. Every street's fucking blocked because of the guy. Holy cow, don't get me started. Okay, that's it. You know what? While you're here... You can't even hail a taxi cab because <laughs> you can't get out under the street for this guy. <laughs> He's taking another day off. Speaking of which, I know that his actions scared your in-laws this past week. <laughs> my yes, my in-laws careful. are buttes. Just they're, be careful. They're buttes. Okay, stay here for this. Just stay thing. here to listen, and in case you got to cut just it out or something. No, Mike. All right. So yes, my in-laws are Trumpers, full through and through, and I Trumpies. love them. They're Trumpies. Yeah, but, I think Trumpies is funnier. And their biggest thing was they voted for Trump because he was going to keep us safe. I mean, that was their number one thing. I just think he's going to keep us safe. They, I can't imagine you they are holding so, your tongue at dinner. Oh, it's so hard. I don't really hold it all the way, but I don't go full fledged in. But yes, I mean, my in-laws are the type of people that they really, the Middle East is coming over here to take the country over. So this past week, so this past week, the North, North Korea, Korea bomb Trump threat. Saying he's going to bring flames and fury. My little boy's birthday is on Sunday, August thirteenth. The fam, the, my in-laws are supposed to come in on Wednesday, and they call on Wednesday morning. They go, 
we're coming in on Friday. Whoa. And my wife's like, why? What do you mean? And they're like, this North Korea thing's scaring us. We're going to get our house on the market now because people don't buy houses when there's bombs flying in the air. <laughs> and I want to be like, no shit. Thanks. Thanks, Rabbit and Gloria from Brooklyn, New York. I love that their thought is not there's an impending danger. No. We could all no, die. They need to get it out on the, on the market before this nuke goes out. Because because the last thing you want is a post-apocalyptic world where you have no money in a house. And you got two houses because they got to sell this one because they've already committed to another one. So they were panicked. So I just thought a it was funny. A bomb's coming. Sell the house. Right. Uh, so that was the story, but I just... Uh, they just, still made it in time for Phillips. Perfect. Yeah, they came on Friday. They were good, right. They were Did good. they sell the house? No, but it's on the market now officially, right? Do they have so. a bunker? They sound like the type of people that would have a bunker. Oh, my my, my grandfather... <gasps> I mean, my father-in-law is a beaut. He is a true Brooklyn wise guy, and he has enough... He might have as many guns as the country of China. I mean, so don't break into his house, okay? Like, no joke. I've never, I've only shot guns in my life with him at a target range, and he has like, you know, AK 47s. He's got, he's got, he's got, he's ridiculous. He's off his rocker. Will you admit something that I had to admit? Yes. That when you shoot guns, you understand why people love it so much? I do understand that, yes. Isn't it's a fucking rush? It is. It's just a crazy expensive hobby, and I don't understand the obsession with having to get more and more of them. When I was in Nebraska, every time a new season would start, I would be a reporter, and I would have to go off and talk about shotgun season, and then I would go out and they'd let me shoot the shotguns. And then one time it was long-range rifle season. And these rifles were the size of this table. I mean, they're five feet long. Yeah. And I'm shooting 400 feet away. And the guy looks at me and goes, you want to take a rip? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to take a rip. He goes, no, I'm warning you. The kickback is going to be insane. But dude, as soon as I pulled that trigger yeah. and that thing exploded, I looked at the guy and went, I understand why you do this because I've never felt that feeling before. It's I get a, it. It's I like get a, it. It's a dollar. So that's what we have to buy him for Christmas. We have to buy him Walmart gift cards. Like if we buy him something <laughs> nice... He will literally be like, he and he, he talks like this, and he, he, he will buy him like a nice shirt, right? And he'll be like, well, well, why'd you give me this? Why'd you why'd you give me this? I, I I don't want this. I don't wear this shit. I don't wear this crap. He just wants ammunition. That's all he wants. Is is your wife gonna be upset with this segment? No, she. Okay. I told her on that Friday that I was going full okay. fledged in her parents. There's no way they're gonna listen. So I, don't worry. I think right, it was. Say I'll it. see. I think it was Chris Rock. That said, the way that you fix gun violence is making bullets five thousand dollars a piece. <laughs> yeah, right. Shoot people, yeah, run up, right. take it back. I think it was Dave Chappelle actually. It but was, I, I, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I feel like I remember sp- watching it. Speaking of which, I'm going to see Chappelle on Saturday. Man, Radio City Music Hall. Brilliance. Uh, cost me a pretty freaking penny. Still one of my favorite shows of all I've time. I've never seen him live. Never seen him live. I don't think I've ever seen him live live. either. I never have. So I went through, because I'm going to be a degenerate gambler this year at the behest of Bleacher Report, and I'm going to try and do it for the podcast, and I began looking at over and unders in the last six years. Mm -hmm. I went on football locks, because they have all of the- That's our spot. Yes, and I made a a spreadsheet, and it's color-coded and all that stuff. And I found some trends that make me feel confident about betting, and I want to share that with you guys as the over-unders are out. They will change, but these are just what I've seen. In the last six years, Sims, two teams went 5-0-1 versus the over-under, which means five times they went over. One time they pushed. They never went lower than Vegas's expectations. All right, wait, hold on. you got to explain it to me again. Say that okay. again, slower. Sorry. So if I say that a team 
is expected to go over under like the like the Eagles are supposed to go over under. Oh, we're eight talking season, okay? Gotcha. Sorry, sorry. Season. Gotcha. Sorry, sorry. They're supposed to be over under eight. Right. If they were to win nine or more, I consider that a win because yes. they exceeded Vegas's expectation. Right. Which two teams went five zero and one the last six years? Which two teams went five zero and one the last? All right, so New England's one. New England is one of them. Okay, five zero. Which is crazy to me that New England exceeded Vegas's expectation for six years. I mean, because you would think they were been predicted to do eleven or twelve, and they did it every year. <laughs> this is amazing. Only other team that I think I can put in that is the Seattle Seahawks, the Denver Broncos. Ooh, last year they pushed according to Vegas. Okay, but the five years before that. Exceeded, yeah, yes. So they have been the most two most considered, uh, most consistent teams. The other teams that have been really good against the spread, yeah, the Texans are five and one in the last six years. Mm -hmm. So they've exceeded five of the last six years, and the last three years they've won nine games. Yeah, they've been very consistent. Kansas City has hit over four years in a row, Mm -hmm. and Cincinnati had hit five in a row before last year. Right. That's kind of why I like Cincinnati. Yeah. They're consistently good. So now, Cincinnati, Kansas City, some, some of those other teams. Those are the teams that have been consistent yes, the last right. six years. And Cincinnati, then, Kansas City, Texans, right. Denver, and New England. It's funny. Why? All those teams, were other than New England, were marked probably a game or two lower because they thought, ooh, their quarterback isn't that great. And, they exce- and then they exceed yeah. and they do good enough. It's like I look at the Texans this year and they're expected to win like eight games or, or something like that. And I'm like, shit, like they're going to get better quarterback play than they did last year. Ooh. Like, That's going to be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. Now, one team went 0 for 6 yep. the last six years. What team was that? One team hit the under the last six years. Did worse than Vegas thought. Not just Vegas thought. My other reason I did this was sometimes Vegas makes teams look good, and then people bet them, and they take advantage of like big fan bases and stuff. So they're zero for six. They hit. They went under the last six years. I have a feeling this team's a kind of a good team, right? I don't know. You don't. They're know. not. They're not. Because I honestly, at first, was going to think Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers went under for the last five. I was think so because every year that was like that was the reason I did this is which fan bases get overhyped, and I think the Packers are one of those teams. Like I know you would take the under on the Packers this year at definitely, ten and a half. Definitely, you think they're a ten win ball club? Man, have the expectations of Seattle been too high? That's what I think of. Um, hold on, is there, I just want to see if one more. Owen, f- oh for six. They've been under the last six years. Pittsburgh? The Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) I read an article from a wise guy in Vegas that said, he said, all of the sharp money, which is like supposedly the really smart bettors, every Mm -hmm. year goes on the Jaguars. And every year it doesn't work. He goes, it's reached a point where it's such a fucking laughing stock that you're only smart if you bet on the Jaguars, but it's also the dumbest fucking thing that people do every year. And and they're having a big over-under. The other worst ones... The Bears went under five of the last six, mm. and that was an example of like a bigger market team. Right. And the Saints, uh, the for the last five years, this is just a trend I saw. For the last five years, the Saints finished with seven wins. Yes. And yet we talked about this. Sean Payton never, and they were all unders. Yes. I love Sean Payton too. The other thing that I looked up were big jump in line trends. Okay. And this one I found to be very interesting. When, when let's say the, like, for example, the Titans are predicted to win three more games than they were predicted to do last year. Yeah. 
That's what I call a big jump. Huge. When teams were predicted to do three wins or more, five of the six times that happened, they went over. Which wow. is a huge number. Wow. Five of the last six times. They that meet vi- the expectations they and go above them. It. Right. The other one was, if a team was predicted to lose, was predicted to be two and a half games or worse, five of the six times that happened, they also went over. Wow. So, they're, oh, so, so they went over. So 10 of the last 12 times, a team was expected to have a major swing in either direction. Right. They won more games than Vegas thought they would. Huh. Because I, I I don't know I don't get it. The one time that there was an under was Tom Sula's 49ers team for the under. It, it went below expectations because no one knew how bad Tom Sula was going to be. Exactly right. So there are three teams this year that fall into this. Right. That by my accord, if these statistics, I'll follow it. I'll probably bet it too. Should go over. The Cardinals are predicted to lose two and a half games more than they were predicted last year, Mm. and they could definitely be a bounce-back team. They can be. The Jets are predicted to lose three games more than they were last year, and I think they're better than the four-and-a-half game mark or the three-and-a-half game mark with their defense. And the other one was the Titans. Mm. The Titans are predicted to win three more games. It's Mariota's third year. That was the other thing that I noticed with the quarterbacks is that all the teams that were expected to get make a jump and did, Derek Carr in a second season, right. Andrew Luck in a second season, Russell Wilson in a second season, and now Mariota here. Yes. So those are the three teams, Cardinals, Jets, Titans, that by my random Saturday night watching preseason football and doing four hours of Excel spreadsheets. Two of those three are going to be better than what they're saying. Or maybe even maybe three. three. Right. Bet all three. You yeah. get two or three, who cares? Yeah. Interesting. It really is interesting. It's, it's, it's funny to... See how Vegas formulates or just little trends and and opinions. I previewed that this is going to be a long podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, Hardcore fans. uh, We Are Fanatics did a survey where they asked, what would fans do to get a Super Bowl win? Yeah. Eat cockroaches for a Super Bowl. Cockroaches. The number one fan base that said they would do it, the Carolina Panthers. (laughs) Gain 100 pounds for a ring. Get a voluntary root canal and not bathe for a year, all won by one franchise. Who do you think it was? The Minnesota Vikings. I was going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Sit on a hornet's nest and give up a paycheck, both won by the Jacksonville Jaguars. All of these came down. The Vikings were seen as the most hardcore, desperate fans. Right. Jaguars were two. Browns were three. Yeah. Rams were four. Dolphins were five. Man, Rams were four. I can understand all of those. The Rams just being the St. Louis to L.A. move is a little weird. But, yeah. man, the Vikings, yes. I mean, four desperate. Super Bowl losses. The only one the Eagles came in, they came in number three in root canals. Apparently, everything else they were not down for. So, what is it? Did they have like a New England, like what they're desperate for or anything? Like, oh, what they, they were not asked. <laughs> we won't eat. <laughs> what would they do? You got to like make We're it- going to give up chowder for a <laughs> yeah, week. Right, right. All right, let's get to iTunes reviews. I'm going to try and go quick. Again, this is how it works. Leave us a five star review, and I promise I will read your comment. Uh, and it's hit us up on iTunes. The reviews have been awesome. Fendrick gets way too excited because now we're getting yes emailed to our email. Uh, this one is from Adam Lefko, and I like butts. And the comment is Lefko likes butts. Yeah. 
awesome. Awesome. He does. I know uh, he does. This one is from Sam and Sage Lively. Chris likes butts, too. The perfect non-hot take sports show. You gentlemen are doing the Lord's work. Uh, keep being incredible. Thank and you. I, Sam had to log on to Sage's account to do this, and then we shout out to both of them. Jcab17, informative and entertaining. Love the podcast. The banter between you two is awesome. You guys should do a drunk history episode where you guys recant an epic game while drunk. I bet Sims drunk would be hilarious. <laughs> we should. I wish we could do that kind of stuff. The old Golden Gates episode that no one will hear. Uh, I know. We've, we've tried. Drunk would be fun. Maybe I would we love to do that. Do, I would love to do one where we just like do it right after we watch a game. Sims and Lefko over everyone. This is from You Bastard. The podcast is kick-ass. Chris and Adam are legitimately uh, honest and unique. This podcast is necessity. Owen Fendrick is pretty good, too. Yeah, he's okay. Uh, this is from Snickers4. Sad I didn't find this pod sooner. Sims and Lefko are insanely entertaining. Love the player point of view. Eat beans, not meat. Yeah. Coffee77, best pod period. Sims tells it whether it's overrated draft posca- pod- prospects or political views. Lefko's conspiracy, conspiracy theories are out there, but entertaining. His reaction to the Eagles draft pick was priceless. <laughs> Love when Josh is there. He's a nice punching bag. That's what he was today. (laughs) Question, what would be the ideal survivor cast made of NFL players and who would win? Oof. Ideal survivor cast? So the only thing I'll ask is to simplify it for you would be, who is a manipulative player? Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning would be be great. It's going to be a lot of quarterbacks, actually, I think. They're the best manipulators. Ryan (laughs) Fitzpatrick is very loved and doesn't do anything. Right. Uh, yeah, there's a, and coaches. Coaches are master manipulators as well. They're the best manipulators there are. Belichick would be the greatest survivor player ever. The, you know, yeah, he could be. But he could get voted out right away. I think away. he could get voted out right away, actually. He would be too intimidating. He would be. Uh, BD Noise changed my podcast game. Guys, the show has become next level and has changed the way I approach my own podcasting. That's cool. Thanks, buddy. Sims, how hard is it for an NFL player to change their perception that's been created for them? For example, Tannehill can't throw the deep ball or Tony Romo isn't clutch. Gosh. How easy is it to change that perception? Sanchez butt fumble. Yes. It takes years and years of... Got to win the Super Bowl. Really good play on a national scene. That's what it takes. I mean, what we saw. I mean, Tony Romo, that was totally wrong, right? He was the clutchest quarterback in football from 2006 on, but the team wasn't good enough. They weren't getting in the playoffs. And Yes, exactly right. That's That's the one clutch moment people put with him, and he fumbled the field goal snap. So... Uh, it, it sometimes can't be erased. Like, he had a chance to erase it, Romo, if the Des Bryant catch happened, right? Uh, and then the next week, if they could have beat the Seattle Seahawks and go to the Super Bowl, it would have been erased forever, yes. that three-week span. But it's very hard to change that narrative. Once it's in your mind, and let me just say, the coaches are the same way. That's the problem, too. A lot of the time, the coaches, they've heard something about a player five years ago, and they think it's still true, and I want to be like, hey, dumbass coach, turn on the fucking film and mm. reveal, figure it out yourself. He's not the same guy he was four years ago. Yeah. This one's from Shake and Bake. I'm going to go quicker, guys, so if I don't get to all your questions, I'm sorry. His Shake comment is, bake. addicted, it's pointless to listen to any other football pod. Sims, what are some of the loudest stadiums you've played in during your times at Texas in the NFL? Hope the Superdome is up there. Go Saints. The Superdome is loud as hell. Any dome is loud. 
okay? I mean, Minnesota, I'm pretty sure they used to pump noise into their stadium. So the domes are incredibly loud. Right off the top of my head, college football-wise, Texas A&M was probably the loudest place I had to play in college. I mean, Texas A&M is loud. Uh, actually, Nebraska can be really ra- loud, too. You've been to that stadium. Yep. It's kind of it's 80,000 people, but when you look at the stadium with nobody in it, you'd be like, well, how many are in here, 30? Yeah. I mean, it's a small setting, it's right? So I did think that gets really loud. Seattle is phenomenally loud when you're there. Uh, I mean, to the point where... I mean, guys really not sure if they hear whistles and things at times. Wow. So uh, that, that to me is... the Falcons pumping crowd noise. Yeah, and right. That was loud, too. I mean, especially back in the old days when I had to play and Michael Vick was there. They uh. had the DJ in the stands, and they would get the fans going with cool music. Yeah. That was really loud. Rams pumped in crowd noise, too. Yeah. Fucking cheaters. RF3867 <laughs> Outstanding Podcast. I love this question. Sims, in your playing career... Did you ever have reason to suspect that a referee had some type of personal vendetta against you, a teammate, or one of your coaches, Ryan in Louisiana? I, I can't say that it was personal. I think I've told this story before, maybe on one of the earliest podcasts. Uh, a referee named Tony Carrenti, right? Tony Carrenti. First of all, I'll say this. There was definitely certain referees that would be annoyed with Gruden because Gruden mm. would not lay off the referees. And they, I don't think a lot of them really loved Gruden because he, he really was – He quite, would show him up. He was quite fresh at times. I can't even lie. And sometimes with no, no good reason behind it, like he'd be wrong. Um, but I had a game, San Francisco. I'm playing out in the 49ers, 2005. And we had like two pass ro- plays in a row. One where it was like they were blatantly offsides and they didn't call it. And then I got hit late as I was throwing the ball. And I said something to Tony Carrenti. You're like running off the field. Like, hey, you're fucking blind. You missed that. I, I was. He hit me like 10 <sighs> seconds late. I threw the ball. I was like walking back to the sidelines and got like knocked out. Yeah. And um, he didn't say anything. But I yell, I did say like, you're fucking wrong. Like, oh, you know, throw the fucking flag. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So then the next time we come out in the field and usually the referee goes, hey, start calling your play. We're coming out from commercial break. Like he lets you know, right? And all of a sudden, we're sitting there, and I'm like just waiting for him to do that. And Gruden's talking to my ear, and I'm bullcrapping. And the whistle blows. And I'm like, oh, that's, they, what, what are they blowing the whistle for? And I look around, and then I go, holy shit, the clock's going. Oh, oh, hey, guys, get it. And I look at him, and I, you know, warning? He goes, not until you apologize. Stop. That's what he said to me. Right. So I Did had you a, apologize? You're like, the, sorry, 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 sorry. After the series, I apologized. I was like, hey, listen, sorry. I mean, it's, I, I was mad. And he goes, Man. okay, you'll get your warning next time. Whoa! Yeah, it pissed me off. I that still, is crazy. I still uh, we don't, don't think that's a thing. Fans don't think that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. There's and then there was other referees. Is like, he still refing? Like, our, yes, he is. So I, I still not. He's not my favorite ref. I'll when say you that. You see him on TV. You're like, I do. Like you motherfucker. But, but uh, he is a good ref. I will give him that. He really is a good ref. The other one I used to love, just in a loving way, is our man Ed Hockley. I mean, I've told you I've worked out with Ed Hockley. We did a chest workout together one year when he was. Doing our practice at Tennessee Titans. How diesel? What was he putting? Oh, up? more than me. I know that. I mean, but it was literally like forty-five sets of chest. I was that's like, that's all he did. That's all he did. The whole day. I was He's like, damn. Chest. Can we get a squat or just a curl uh, or anything? Nobody's like, you ain't you ain't doing signals with your legs. <laughs> Hockley's trying <laughs> exactly to get that first right. down and that bowl. But he would be awesome in the games because you'd make a play or a throw or you'd get out of trouble. Yeah. And he after the play, he'd look at you, and he'd be like, man, how did you get out of that one? That's and awesome. And he'd be like, it'd make you feel good. You're I like, love. Okay. 
love watching preseason refs interacting with the players because yeah. they're much more loose. No and doubt they're about really it. fucking talking to right, each other. Right. Uh, best football podcast, or best podcast, hands down, Steeler Fanatic 43. Uh, I've been listening since episode one. Yeah, what up, They're not Steeler even available 43? anymore. First question, what's with Fendrick saying goodnight, everybody, when the podcast comes out in the morning? Oh, he's like Johnny Professional. That's why. He doesn't know what else to say. He saw some guy in like a 1958 news clip say that, so now he, he says He that. told me it's because we used to record these at night. We did. And then because he is such like a, a wiener, he's like, I'd like to do that consistently we'll through all the episodes. Good night, everybody. Other question is, will Lorenzo Neal ever get in the Hall of Fame? He blocked for eight 1,000-yard rushers. Oh, yes. He deserves it. Low Neal. Man, I still talk to Low Neal from time to time. You know, he does a him radio and, him show. Him and Trent Richardson were unbelievable blockers. Uh, not, you're not thinking about not. not Trent Richardson. You're thinking of the other Richardson who was also on the Jets, too. Yeah, what's his name? Um, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. I have him in my phone. We'll come to it in the, here in a second. He was phenomenal. But, uh, yes, low Neal, fullback position in general, it's going to be one of those spots that never gets the credit it deserves. Like Mike Allsott would be another guy. You look at it, the fullback, but now people evaluate him as a running back, right? Because he had running stats, too. Right. But it is going to be one of those positions that will be consistently overlooked forever and ever. And he certainly is an NFL legend who's He's the best fullback I saw in my day. Tony Richardson. Tony Richardson. There he was. He was good, man. Yeah. Uh, T. Rich. All right. Sims is the GOAT. Trash 15. Love the podcast. When I saw Sims in the title, I knew I wanted to listen. Coming from Michigan, I only hear bad things from national sports, quote-unquote, experts about the Lions, but Chris always hits me with that one good thing about Stafford that makes my week. Good. Sims, could you still go three for three in buckets like you did in the Pick Me videos? From uh, I didn't go three for three in those buckets. Those were those were video enhanced. Uh, and Oddly enough, as good as I was at doing that, I did not hit one during the filming. Everything else I hit. I, everything I, else is real. Me and Fendrick are talking. I think we're going to bring you to Central Park and see if you can actually do it. Do the buckets? Yeah, the, let's just try it. I know. It's crazy. Now, if you stood in front of the bucket like you were a receiver. And then just moved out of the way. And then it would, I would probably knock it in every time. But there's something about throwing to something that's like three feet high there. It just it messed with my brain the whole time. I felt so unqualified when I was doing that commercial. Best sports podcast around Yuletide Gopher. Simeon was a seventh round pick. Now that we've seen him play, what round would you take him in now? Oh, Simeon, I think, is a, I mean, he's a legitimate second or third round type of quarterback. And what round would you take Paxton in? Uh, probably actually the second or third as well now. Who would I you mean, take first? I would. I mean, right now, you give me a choice of who I want to be my quarterback. I'm taking Trevor Simeon. Yeah. I, I, Trevor Simeon sounds like he's going to win that position. And just from what I watched in the Bears game preseason week one, he's just the better player right now. Period. Simeon's uh, throwing ability is a little underrated, and Simeon's athletic ability is a little underrated. Man, these podcasts are so long. I don't give a fucking care. I hope you guys like it. I'm enjoying it. I am Matthew Joe, RIP Lefty Quarterbacks. I've been listening since the beginning of the season. I actually had to hit pause and rewrite a new review because of how astounded I was by Lefko and his owner team comparisons. Fuck yeah. I thought yeah, that was good, too. It was. Guys, what makes a good GM, and how are those GMs found by owners? Yes. Um, the best GMs are not found by the owners. The best GMs are the owner... Uh, interviewing these guys and also taking into account what the head coach wants, right? Those are, to me, always the relationships that work best. And It's unbelievable to me that we celebrate John Schneider and Pete Carroll because both of them are, quote, capable of telling each other when they're wrong. Exactly right. What the fuck is going on in 31 other, 30 other franchises? I'm not putting the Patriots right. in that, that. That's unique. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. No, it's very, it's in most NFL franchises, the front office and the coaching staff are, in a, it's like a civil war almost to a well, degree. we're seeing that on Ballers. Yeah, yeah. 
legitimately. <laughs> and I fucking hate that show. But Lynch and Shanahan, they seem like they're off to a good they, start. They got it off to a good start. And what makes a GM is what they want to know. What makes a GM is understanding the vision of the coach and what they want to do for the future as far as teams are concerned. And then, of course, the GM's ability to evaluate people and, and their talent level, players, their specific talent level, but also what else, and you, you and I have had this conversation a lot, the great GMs really know footballs, like football a little bit, like X's and O's Y. Mm. The GMs who are just going, he's big, fast, and strong, oh, I, he looks good to me, that's it, I'm going to take him on my team. No, the GM that goes, ooh, he's messed up in that coverage a bunch of times, yeah. and he's good in that coverage, and blah, 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 he understands it. And they're Those probably the good ones. at evaluating personalities. I, I would think so. Yeah, most cases, the guys I know, yes. Jay Sizzle, 11, the best. Uh, the best through year-round football podcast there is. Sims, where are you most recognized? Texas, Tampa, Tennessee, New York, or Jersey? I guess um, I still think... I still think New Jersey, New York area. And where would you want to spend a week and a weekend? Oh, man. Gosh. I mean, week and a weekend. That's a good one. I haven't been to, like, Amsterdam yet, so I would like to do that, like a Europe trip. I haven't done Paris or France. I haven't done any of those. Do the podcast from Amsterdam. Right. I mean, I would like to do any of that, but I do love the Caribbean. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Clay Tonus. I want to give a shout-out to JRev924. What up, homies? Andy1080. Uh, love the show. Um, please name a team other than the Patriots, which would be competitive without their franchise quarterback. Okay. Another team that would be com- competitive without their franchise quarterback. Okay, of course, and we got to find a team that's got a good backup. You look at that. that. Let yep. me read another comment. Bob Hinkleman, Hinkelhein, hilarious, informative. Lefko's awkward interview with Warren Sat was the highlight of my 2016. That is awesome because that was great. We have one more. Are you ready for your team? I think Kansas City would be one team I look at right They've now. They've been doing it for years. Yeah, right. They they can do it without their franchise quarterback. Texans. Uh, the Texans certainly can as well. <sighs> no, I mean, you know, I I was going to throw the Giants in that conversation, but I don't trust any of their backups to say either. that. So that's that's not that's not true. And this one is from Liam Swag Rex Ryan. First off, love love the pod since day one. It was the first podcast I ever tried, and has been great to watch you guys become actual big swinging ricks in the sports media world. You three are a perfect example of why Bleacher Report has turned the traditional model and slapped it upside the head. Sounds like I'm talking to my buds about football when I listen to the pod. Um, Sims has taken his knowledge and position from an NFL locker room and used to give us the rest of us intriguing eggs insight. Um, Lefko does a great job of drawing out this nuggets and has transformed from a fanboy niche to now someone whose input is as valuable as Chris's, not as valuable. Funny story. It's very valuable. I have seen Lefko walking in Manhattan on my way to work while listening to the podcast. And one time I made a crazy face at you and pointed to you and then pointed at my ears. I think it freaked you out a little bit. <laughs> you looked pretty hungover, so I didn't want to bother you to chat. But we should get some cold ones soon. I don't remember that. Right. But here's the scary thing. I probably wasn't hungover. That's just what I look like when I'm not wearing makeup. <laughs> makeup makes me look good. And then my makeup comes off and it's like, man, you look fucking exhausted. I used to have doormen that would be like, oh, rough night last night. And I was like, no, I 
Just not wearing. Makeup. Well, you, 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 well, you, can, you're the type of guy that, yeah, I, I don't want to. You don't sound like you don't look like a hobo when you don't have no. makeup on. But yeah, you do. You can get dark circles oh, under your eyes a that, little if you don't Eastern get a European. full sleep, right? Uh, and then the other question he had is, or the only question he had is, is there a head coach that would consider Rex Ryan for a D coordinator or D line coaching job? I think right away. I mean, I would do he think, be able to fall in line? I do think Belichick could make a guy like him fall in line. Certainly, yes. Um, you know. Other than that, I think it's going to be a really tough list to find guys that are going to be able to make an ego like Rex Ryan kind of know his place. Yeah, uh, a Bruce Arians I think could handle a Rex Ryan. Uh, I think a Sean Payton could, even though he probably won't because he dealt with Rob and that didn't seem to go so well. Would they need to be an offensive guy? Like you're naming offensive guys. I know. Yeah, I do. I so think like in a lot Mike of cases, Tomlin wouldn't get. I, I don't think so. No, I don't imagine that. I think those are too strong of a personalities who are similar in a lot of ways and yeah. going to be different schematically and I think that would butt heads. Uh, that's it. Coming up right now, the Jadavion Clowney interview. It gets really whoop, whoop. fucking weird and really funny and I think he gives a lot of good stuff and as you guys can tell, I think he gets along with us because we are happy to shower the praise on him. Yes. As always, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, use the hashtag FakeQB. Tell us who the fake QBs are. ACL Epidemic and full-fledged. Uh, and as you guys are watching preseason games, send us whatever you're seeing to the podcast. Yeah, we'll talk whatever about you want to talk about. And then hit us up on iTunes, leave a five-star review. We're happy to get to it. I'll say for Fendrick, good night, everybody. For Sims. Peace out, homies. I am Lefko. This is episode 127. We'll be back Monday, Facebook Live. Join us. We are now joined by the biggest, baddest man in the NFL, the Sims and Lefko official. I can't even say Lefko. Your last name is Lefko. The Sims and Lefko. Defensive (laughs) MVP of the year. He was our vote. We were pissed he wasn't in the top three. We were even more pissed that he didn't win because he's the man. Jadevian Clowney. Jadevian, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you doing? Dude, I'm telling you, we were every single podcast last year going, Jadevian Clowney's the best player in the league and no one's talking about it. It's crazy. When when Will Fork is saying you're the best out there, we went, see, how is no one saying this? Were you in the same way? Were you like, how was I not in the top three for defensive MVP last year? I don't worry about it, man. Oh. I'm just working. Uh, my teammates see it. The coaches see it. Other players around the league see it. Uh, the coaches around the league said, just keep working and uh, everything, will, everything will happen good for me. So that's what I was always told. And that's what I've been doing. I wasn't even worried about it. And that's what I appreciate. By the way, we're able to do this because of Tostitos, the official chip and dip of the NFL. They're doing a new promotion, Lucky Bags. It's bags with different teams on them. And Clowney, I was, I was looking, man. I realized that your mom used to work in bagging chips. This is this is crazy. Your mom probably paid for you because she was working with Doritos, and now you're getting paid by Tostitos. This is awesome. That's great. That's great. Yeah, she worked there for like 20 years, man, and uh, it's so funny that we end up working with them. I told her that. It's funny. But we're enjoying it, and uh, we're here with Tostitos, working, on, uh, uh, working with fans on about our pregame rituals and showing fans that how NFL players prepare for games. And uh, with two of those lucky bags, and uh, like I said, I get ready for games. Like I eat the same thing. Um, I eat the same meal. I, I listen to the same music. I have my family close to me. I have pictures in my shoes, so I keep them close to me on the field. You're a big Justin um, Bieber fan before games, right? You love the Biebs? The Babes. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to rehearse. That's perfect. I said you listen to Justin Bieber before games. I figured he pumps you up. Oh, Justin Bieber. Oh, man. I probably listen to Future, man. I listen to a lot. That's like something about that get me going. And, uh, no, I, that's what I get ready for the games, man. Hell yeah. Mask off. Yeah, Future would get me going for sure, too. All right. So this is what I want to ask you just right off the bat. When did you know? I don't want to know, like, when did you know I think I had a chance to be a Division One football player? When did you know you were, like, a freak animal, freak half man, half monster, where you were just like, man, there's not a lot of people yeah. like what walking age? around like me? Probably my sophomore year of high school, uh, I had a break. I, I had just moved to defensive end for the first time because I was always playing running back. Right. And I think first game I had like five sacks. Or all, like, it was just crazy. <laughs> and that was that was it. That's when you knew, like, okay, I've gone from being a Division One football player to maybe I can be, like, something really special, superstar, like yeah. sports, sports NFL player at some point. Yeah, that's what happened. It got crazy, man. And all of a sudden, all these colleges start calling me. I'm like, all right, this must be a real big deal, you know? What? And give me, well, what was your size like your sophomore year? What were we talking? I mean, I'm sure you hadn't thickened out yet. You were probably just long and fast as hell. Yeah, I was, I was like 6'5", 6'4", 240 pounds. <laughs> Sophomore year. Damn. He's the size of Von Miller as a sophomore at high school. Hold on. Speaking of Von, we saw all these like pass rushers meeting with Von. Were you invited to that thing? I was, but I couldn't make it out. Okay. I, I called him and told him I couldn't make it, but I, I was going to be out there next year trying to get out there, too. It's a pretty cool thing. Did you feel like you missed out? Were you jealous? Yeah, I do, man. I do. Anytime you can work with uh, all the great pass rushers in the NFL, you can't lose, man. You can always learn stuff from other guys around the lead, and I think I missed out on that, but I'm going to have another opportunity to do it next year. I'm looking forward to it. I text him and say, man, I can't wait to get out there and work out with you. Anything you can learn from him. Yeah. Another great other guy out there. You had Khalil Mack, all the other guys that came out with me. Had a good pass rushers. I was trying to pick their brain. And, uh, you know, I worked out with uh, my guy from Michael Bennett from the Seahawks. Yeah. Sure. Pretty good. He three days in Hawaii. I went out there last year. It was great. Um, you know, I'll, anytime I can get with the great, great ones and work on fast rush and learn from them. Mm. I mean, Peyton Manning do a football cap of quarterbacks every year. It's about time for somebody to do something for us. Yeah, and they can, they can learn how you set the edge and stop the run. Yeah, that, that, it, well, you're right. It is time that the defense ends and people did that. At First of all, we Jadevion, I mean, I you we we blow you on the regular here on the Simpson Left Goal <laughs> podcast. Okay, I just want you to know that straight up. Pause. And and we 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 did when you were coming out in the draft as yes. well. We were constantly sticking up for you, future Hall of Famer. We never we understood why people were even trying to say you don't hustle or whatever, whatever. That was all bullcrap. But what I do want to know, just because I've been watching you so much, is with, with with your injuries, you've had to deal with the foot injury. You had to get the micro fracture. Uh, are there things in your game you had to adjust because of that injury? Because on the outside looking in, sometimes it doesn't look like you're as good, maybe as bending around the corner as you used to be. But I'm I'm just observing. You tell me your feel or, or your thoughts. You're exactly right. Uh, I, I think I lost that a little bit, a little bit of bend. But I had to change my game up to a lot of power. Yeah, making quick moves, high moves, and everything, which is. 
it's working for me. But don't be surprised by me bending this year. I've been working on it a lot this offseason. Hey. Yeah, well, and, and it's interesting that you went and worked with Michael Bennett because I, I value, and Lefko does, so we value your game as the same. It's Stats don't do justice to guys like you. There's no stat for you breaking into the backfield and screwing the whole play up even though you don't get the tackle or somebody else does. So that's cool you worked with him. What was he like? He's a great guy, man. He's a hard worker. He taught me a lot of a lot of what to do with the hands. It's all about hands and feet with him. Quick hands, and he trained his hands like a boxer. And uh, he got some of the quickest hands I've seen for an interior guy. It was crazy. But I was like, I need to start working hands a lot more than I usually do, quicking up my hands, man. Right. Man, I, I worked on my hands a lot last year. So, yeah, he's he a good guy. I like, I like working out with him. A lot of people talk about the hands of your teammate, J.J. Watt. Uh, we took a bet, and it was overwhelmingly that we don't think you hang out with J.J. Watt off the field. <laughs> you guys aren't hanging out, are you? We have two different personalities, man. So I know. We, we, we get out sometimes as, as a group. Not all the time, you know. Uh, but he takes you to Applebee's? I mean, it's funny. We get along so well together when we're around each other on the field that we don't hang out off the field like like everybody's saying, but man, he's a clown. He cracks jokes just the same as me. We sit there and crack jokes on everybody every day. And you know have a good time, but all right, well, you're cracking jokes. I imagine DJ Reader is part of it. If people don't know, uh, DJ Reader came out and says that he doesn't believe that dinosaurs existed, but to his help, Calvin Carlos Watkins, your other teammate, says, yeah, but he says he believes in dragons, not dinosaurs. Uh, as a leader on this defense, can you explain to me what DJ Reader is talking about? I have no clue. That guy's different. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Wait, time out. Do you believe in dinosaurs? I do. I, okay. I do. I, I was just like, DJ, what was you thinking? Like, why you don't believe in dinosaurs? History just shows them. Like, like, dude, I never seen one. I never seen anything. It just, I'm like, DJ, whatever you believe in is what you believe in. I'm just going to leave you alone. What? Yeah, hold on. So if DJ pulled you up in front of the team and said, I don't believe in dinosaurs because I've never seen one, and then everyone said, well, Jadavia. Like, of course you yeah, did. Of course, but, you know. That's his belief. Who's in our group meet? Me and him meet together. Me, him, and JJ all in the same defensive meeting. Who's all laughing about it? JJ was like, "I can't believe this guy." Uh, I can't. I can't believe it yet either. I'm still over. <laughs> Those here are the best to guys out. to have on the team. Though. Yeah, they are. They definitely are. All right, wait. I want to ask you one more question, just about all right. So, because the perception is, and if you're on the outside looking in, like JJ Watt is this man-made. All he does is work hard all day long. Grinder. Technique and all I do is eat right. And then there's you and everybody I think it just looks at you and goes, eh, he's a freak of nature. He just shows up on the field and he balls out. Tell me like some of the the the, the differences and, and the similarities between you two guys that, you know, makes you guys so special. Uh, I, I probably do a lot of things. Like, I move a lot quicker than you. I'm a lot quicker to be my size than a lot of people give me credit for. I move kind of like everybody say you move sometimes like a DB. Right. As linebacker. Which JJ got a whole strength into the next step game where he outpower guys and push them around. I'm about, I can power you too. That's the thing. That's what's scary about people don't really think I got a lot of power, but then you watch them. Uh huh. Power them with the So, but. You know, he, he got his thing. You know, he do certain things I don't do, you know. And I do things he don't do. And that's what makes us so good together. Everybody want to know what makes us so good together. And I think that's what makes us 
put it together. We all got a different game, and it's hard to prepare for each one of them. Well, we're, we're excited to see it. I think that's just as fans, your defense being the number one defense by far last year, and you didn't have him. And I'll just say this, too, just so you know this. We had, you know, I worked up in New England. I know Vince, and Vince came on our podcast about a month ago. And he told us that you were the most talented guy he had ever been around, and you were the most talented guy on the Houston Texans defense more than J.J. Watt, which is pretty high praise for a guy that's been around a lot of ballers. Oh, man, that's great. Uh, yeah, I feel a lot appreciate it. You know, he saw me grow as a player since he's been here. He saw me fight back through injuries and everything. And he saw me putting work to get back to where I can make a difference for the team. And uh, coming from there was great because he always pushing when he got here, when he got here. He was always helping me, telling me what to look for, formation indicators and everything. And have a guy like that that did a lot of time to lead, it was great for me. And uh, I appreciate him being part of my team last year. I miss him already. I tell him that I see a great test with him. All right. And then, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he he is the man. He gave me a, a purple penis, a black penis once in my life when he hit me in the pelvis. I just wanted to <laughs> let you know that. Uh, so, but my mother, my, my they're, they're falling, we're falling off the rails. All right. Last one thing I really want to ask you, you know, you're, you're 270, right? Basically walking around most of the time. Do you, I'm a little less than that, about 65, 63 now. Okay. All right. So that's what I wanted to ask. Like, I would imagine you're one of those guys that's naturally, naturally ripped and probably has a hard time keeping weight on as the season goes on. Do, do you have to do a special I'm diet? I think I weighed last season. I was only 253 pounds. I, I would have guessed that at the end of the year, it looked like you were about 250. You weren't the same size as you were when you came into the combine. So you said 253 at the end of last year? At the beginning, all the way through, I played at 253 pounds. And I was just, wow. Okay. I felt, right. Yeah. I felt great. So it was great for me, man. I thought I needed all the weight and size, but actually, I thought about speed and getting, knowing what's going on on the other side of the ball. Yeah. And I would make it like that. So. Yeah, and you're not losing anything from power, so you might as well stay that weight because it's good for your knees and your legs too. Exactly. So, and I still got some good strength. Like I'm stronger than I was, but I'm leaner than I was. That's the great part about it. Awesome. I want to give a special shout-out again to Tostitos for making this possible. Check out their lucky bags and what they do for all the superstitions and routines before <laughs> games. Uh, hey, uh, Jadavion, I have one more question. You got back-to-back AFC South titles. I think you gave the Patriots other than the Falcons the best run in the playoffs. What's the next step for you guys this season? I just go far as we did last year, man. Uh, which is second round. We got to get past the wild card. We probably would have beaten New England one of these years, man. It'd be great. We had them against the Rose. I saw it last year. We probably played in the best. Yeah. Uh, defense. But... You know, we didn't come through like we wanted to, but hopefully this will be different. Uh, we got to get out there and get back to where we want to get to. And, uh, yeah, you got a, you got a new quarterback. It should help. And the guys we got coming, it's, it, it, we got a great chance. We got to come to work and prepare with. Awesome. Jadavian, thank you so much. Tostitos, the official chip and dip at the NFL. Thanks, man. You the man, Clowny. They can win some gifts from style NFL players. Tell them, come on, hashtag lucky bag. Hashtag lucky bag. Lucky bags. Hashtag lucky Hashtag bag. Lucky bags. Peace out, man. On Twitter. Uh, you guys have a great one. Be uh, good, man. Kick ass.